Did you know that the 4th of July is on a Thursday this year? That's going to be a full weekend of fun out on the deck, four days. But if your deck isn't what it used to be and you aren't using it for great family gatherings, you need to call my friends at All Weather Decks. All Weather Decks is a 24-time winner of the Angie Super Service Award. And they probably help one of your neighbors. Click on the map link at allweatherdecks.net. Call All Weather Decks today at 913-206-1974 or go to allweatherdecks.net and mention you heard it on 810. Call now and relax. ESPN Kansas City is KCTE Independence and K233DM Raytown, 1510 AM, 94.5 FM. Garrettson and Toth presents The Shift with Jack Johnson on ESPN Kansas City, 1510 AM and 94.5 FM. We are back with another edition of The Shift on 94.5 FM and 1510 AM ESPN Kansas City. I'm your host and producer today, Jack Johnson. Jake Gutierrez will be back in the producer's chair tomorrow. Well, we got a little bit more college basketball to talk about today. We're going to talk some NFL as it looks like. The Kansas City Chiefs and Andy Reid are going to be in negotiation for a contract extension. One, that would make him the highest paid coach in the NFL and we'll probably wrap up the show with a little bit of baseball talk as the Royals won yesterday their first televised game of the year against the Los Angeles Angels one to nothing Cole Reagans uh, was freakishly good Uh, don't read too much into spring training stats but I've got one stat to throw out to you that is pretty much inhuman Uh, very much a freakish outing I would say for Cole Reagans even if it was only two innings to kick off today's show We're going to go over the three local teams, the three college hoops teams, and how they fared over the weekend, beginning with uh, the Kansas State Wildcats, who got it done against the BYU Cougars on Saturday, keeping that door open for their hopes of an NCAA tournament bid. Now, there are four games left on the schedule for Kansas State. We have talked about this extensively uh, throughout the last couple weeks, that In these final five, six, seven games, K-State had to make up some serious ground. They had to make up for lost time for a bad stretch they suffered in January. And I would probably say the early portions of February as well. But this was, I think, offensively the best game Kansas State has had since, hmm, I would go as far to say maybe the Kansas game. That might even be pushing it. I'd say UCF. UCF was their first Big 12 game of the year, and I remember that game being very efficient for Kansas State. Now, the turnovers, they didn't really come down. Uh, They still turned it over 12 times in this game, but when you shoot 56.3% from the floor, you shoot 46.7% from deep, and about 75% from the free throw line, you feel good about your chances of winning that basketball game. Now, they didn't get more rebounds than BYU. It was actually the Cougars out-rebounding them and dominating them on the offensive glass, 17-5 to there. But BYU, who's one of the nation's best three-point shooting teams, they were terrible in this game. Only 19.4%, and they shot at 62.5% from the free-throw line, barely uh, 41% from the floor. But that three-point percentage, I think, is what dictated this game in the long run. BYU only knocked down six of their 31 attempts, 
and you know, their leading scorer in this game, which they always expect you know, to get somewhere between three uh, to four three-pointers from a handful of guys. Uh, they only got two from Spencer Johnson. He usually provides them a little bit more than that. They only got two from Noah Waterman. Uh, they didn't get any from Dallin Hall, and Dallin Hall is another one of those starters that uh, usually likes to let it fly from deep. In fact, their leading scorer in this game was Jackson Robinson coming off the bench. Uh, he does average 14 points per game, so a little bit of a unique rotation that Mark Pope uses, but he was only one of nine from deep. K-State uh, really was fortunate that BYU was not hitting it from deep in this game. Otherwise, it could have been much closer than that final 84-74 to 74 score in Manhattan, Kansas on Saturday. So the big picture is now Kansas State at 16-11. They grabbed their sixth win in conference play, have four games remaining, one tonight against West Virginia at home. Big Monday tip-off at 6 p.m. Again, you should feel good about the chances. It's more so about those final three. And really, they can't afford to go any worse than 3-1. and one. They can't afford to go 2-2 two and two in these final four. And you like the chances against West Virginia, but this is the gimme. This is the game you have to have. And I'm not really overly concerned about what Kansas State can can do against West Virginia. This is a bad Mountaineers team. In fact, these teams already faced, you know, back on January 9th and K-State won by 14. West Virginia's not good. They have their one really good win against Kansas. Other than that, they've been pretty treacherous. They're still searching for their 10th win of the season. They're coming off a seven-point loss to Iowa State names, which is a lot better than most people expected. And they did beat UCF 77-67 at home, uh, but they did have a string of double-digit losses before that. They lost to Baylor by 13, they lost to TCU by 16, and they lost to uh, Texas by 36. So West Virginia, uh, not what you would call a good road basketball team. If this game was in Morgantown, maybe you feel a little bit different about how close this game could be. But K-State should be just fine. The only thing you would be concerned about is the quick turnaround, and West Virginia doesn't really excite you as an opponent you were playing. BYU was top 25. They had beaten Kansas State. More of a reason to get that place packed and juiced up. It's those final three games that everybody is looking to. Those final three games, Cincinnati, Kansas, and Iowa State, are going to be what dictates everything. And honestly, even if K-State does go 3-1, and one, which would result in having to beat either Kansas or Iowa State, both teams in the top 10, they would have to fare pretty well in the Big 12 tournament. So the sub-50% chance that they get into the NCAA tournament, but taking care of business on Saturday against BYU was very important. Very important in this game. And, and I believe we talked about it, that it couldn't just be a, a Tyler Perry firing up 20 shots and getting 20 points and 10 of those coming from the free throw line. They needed either Arthur Kaluma or Cam Carter to step up, and I'd argue both of them did. Cam Carter gave Kansas State 12 points, but Arthur Kaluma had his best game as a Wildcat with 28 points and 10 boards. He was 10 of 12 from the free throw line, 8 of 11 from the floor, 2 of 3 from deep. You can't ask much more than that. And off the bench, fantastic production from your two big men and David Gasson and Will McNair Gasson has been so great of late. Uh, he took nine shots in this game, brought in 12 points in 24 minutes, and Will McNair right behind him with 11 points on five shots in 20 minutes of action. This was the most complete and well-rounded game I've seen Kansas State play since their Big 12 opener against UCF. The turnovers really were not detrimental. 
And in the second half, I thought K-State played exceptionally well. They were able to keep BYU uh, pretty much buried, uh, leading by 14, 15, 16 points the majority of the time. It got a little bit hairy, got a little tricky late in that game as it got down to single digits. But in the end, K-State's too good of a free-throw shooting team uh, to have those teams crawl back into it and make things interesting. So they get it done, 84-74. to and Kansas State now moves to 16 and 11, 6 and 9 in conference play. They will take on West Virginia tonight as it is another game they just have to keep padding to the resume. West Virginia is not quad 1, but you have to you had to win these two right here to set you up for that final three game stretch in which you need to go 2 and 1. You go 1 and 2, it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. It doesn't really matter. If you grab a game or two in the Big 12 tournament, I don't think you get in with two more losses on your schedule. I know there's that memory of the the 14-loss West Virginia team of last year that snuck in as an 8 or a 9 seed. That West Virginia's resume, that West Virginia's team resume was far better than what K-State's is. K-State's, you know, the, the, the win to hang your hat on was Kansas, of course. And then you go to Baylor. You go to... BYU, maybe, another ranked win. And then maybe you would say Providence. Those are the top four. Yeah, I'd probably argue those are the top four. It's not good enough right now for Kansas State, but a good step in the right direction for Kansas State after winning 84-74 to over the 25th-ranked BYU Cougars. Tonight, the Cats and Mountaineers will tip off at 6 p.m. You can watch that game on ESPN2. The Cats are a nine-and-a-half-point favorite. As for the other afternoon game, it was the Missouri Tigers who were in Fayetteville against a very, very underwhelming Arkansas team, one that had, uh, I wouldn't say mailed in their season. They had a big win in College Station against A&M. But this was an Arkansas team that was ranked inside the top 15 at the beginning of the year. People were dubbing them as a as a Final Four-bound team. You know, Eric Musselman had taken... Arkansas to an Elite Eight, Elite Eight, and Sweet 16 in three straight years. But this Arkansas team is not going to make the NCAA tournament. They still have to go to Tuscaloosa. They have to go to Rupp Arena and then the SEC tournament. They would pretty much have to win out at this point to get in. Their resume is not that impressive. But I did think for a point in time, Missouri had a chance to snap this skid. Missouri was only down by two at half. They were tied in the early portions of the second. And then in the end, it comes back to one simple fact that Missouri cannot guard anybody, anything, any team. They just can't. I mean, even when Missouri gets a really good showing from some facet offensively, whether it's shooting from the floor, it's three-point shooting, it's offensive rebounding, it's free throw percentage, they can't guard anybody. And that's why I look at the rest of their schedule. I don't think Missouri does win another SEC game or another, they don't have one. They've lost 14 straight SEC games. And after what Dennis Gates and his squad showed last year, I mean, I remember a handful of big-time victories. They had beaten Arkansas in Columbia in dramatic fashion. They had a buzzer beater against Tennessee in Knoxville. They were far more competitive than this bunch, and I get it. We've talked about this numerous times on the show. Missouri was in a gap year. But a gap year is not going 8-19 and to this point and having one win since December 3rd. That, that's, this, is, 
this is borderline people losing their jobs. I mean, they still have to go to Gainesville, take on Florida. That'll happen on Wednesday. Florida's top 25 in the nation. They then will wrap up their uh, final two home games against Ole Miss, who is slumping a bit, and then Auburn, top 20 in the nation, and then go on the road to LSU to, to try and find a way to end the season on some sort of a positive note. But the scary thing about Missouri, at least defensively, they just hope and pray that teams don't hit shots and they can rebound. So many games like this where teams can score on them at will. In fact, this Arkansas team put up 91 points on them when that game was in Columbia. I think it was a very much of a telling sign when they lost to Vanderbilt on the road by seven, only got 61 points in that game. But this is getting into the dangerous territory, the dangerous waters for Dennis Gates. If you go 0-18, and 0-18 and 8-23 in the regular season, I do not know how a job can be so secure going into the offseason. Right, I, I can acknowledge that Dennis Gates was fantastic in year one. It was a couple of the Cleveland State guys he brought over. You had an NBA prospect in Kobe Brown. But the transfer portal was a disaster this year. Of course, Tamar Bates has been uh, the front and, center, front and center star, but overall it hasn't pieced together nicely with some guys you brought back from last year's squad. Nick Honor, Noah Carter, Aiden Shaw. You know, it just... It can't go this poorly for you. I mean, like I said, with Vanderbilt, even Vanderbilt is 2-12 and in SEC play. Like, Vandy has gotten some wins in conference play. Yes, one of them is against Missouri, but they also have a win against A&M. They beat A&M, I think it was last week, two weeks ago. I mean, at the end of the day, you have to look yourself in the mirror and say, is this acceptable? I mean, you go to the Power Five conferences out there and the teams that are dead last. You know, the Big 12 right now, which I know is the exception. It is the toughest conference in college basketball. West Virginia has four conference wins. They're tied with Oklahoma State. They've got one more win than Missouri, but they fared somewhat well at the bottom half. They've beaten Kansas. They beat UCF. You know, it's impressive that the last place team in the Big 12 has found a way to beat a top five team like Kansas at the point in time. In the Big East, right, you look at somebody like DePaul. They're 0 16, 3 24 overall. Now, that's another team that's winless, but DePaul is one of college basketball's worst teams out there. I mean, 0 16. Even Georgetown is at least 2 14 in conference play. You go to the Big Ten. Michigan is the worst team in the conference, and they've won three conference games. You know, I'd like to look at the SEC and say it's it's tough. It's tough to win in the SEC. And there are great teams in the conference. They've got right now six ranked teams. Highest one being Tennessee, top five, who Missouri hung with in Columbia uh, this past weekend, or I guess I should say earlier in the week. You know, they got Kentucky and Florida and Auburn. South Carolina has been a surprise. Alabama's been good. But you can't be 0-14, and you can't be 0-18. I, I would like to say there's one more winnable game, whether that be Ole Miss at home or at LSU. I give them no chance to beat Florida. I give them no chance to beat Auburn. 
And at that point, you're just tying Vanderbilt, and they have the head-to-head against you. So you would finish in the basement of the SEC after a great year last year in which you got into the NCAA tournament. You fared somewhat well in the SEC tournament. You lost to Princeton, but Princeton went on to the Sweet 16. It was a great first year for Dennis Gates to build off of, and I think everybody here in Kansas City thought uh, this is a guy moving forward that can resurrect the Missouri basketball program. Now, for a lot of Missouri fans, I know the, the focus has been football. This, the fact that Eli Drinkwitz you know, took that football program and turned it into what we see today, a great recruiting class coming in, great transfer portal class. Guys are staying. They're not going anywhere. They won the Cotton Bowl over Ohio State, and they're going to be uh, – college football playoff favorite, at least to be in those top 12. In fact, I'd bet house money right now that Missouri gets in to the college football playoffs, but that's football. Basketball is where I think you just wanted to be competitive. You do what you did last year every single year. Dennis Gates ain't losing his job. No way in hell he loses his job. And I think it's a rash decision to fire somebody, even if they do go winless in conference play. But it's going to be a hard selling point as to why he is the right guy for the job. He's got a great recruiting class coming in. But also, we have seen freshmen now in college hoops regress a little bit. Depending where they end up, Kentucky's always been an area where freshmen can shine. But it's not like we're back in the days of you know, Jabari Parker and Andrew Wiggins, Zion Williamson. You know, you know where the number one recruit is playing college basketball this year? USC. I believe it was Isaiah Collier. USC is one of the worst teams in the Pac-12. They just don't carry you in the way that you once were. It's a good recruiting class, don't get me wrong. I believe it's still top ten in the nation. But the way of college hoops and college football, for that matter, is that you have to have guys that come in through the portal You have to have guys that stick around and mesh well with those portal guys. And you can't have years like this. I don't care if you lost everybody to last year's team. I don't care. 0-14 in conference play is jaw-dropping, is shocking. And if Missouri does, in fact, go 0-18 in conference play, I'm not sure how you could look a fan in the face, a Tiger fan in the face, and say, Don't worry, Dennis Gates is going to be the guy that gets us out of this. I mean, yes, he's got an NCAA tournament bid. He's won an NCAA tournament game. He's beaten ranked teams before. But you follow it up with a season like this? Their most impressive win to date is either Pittsburgh or Minnesota. That's it. Yeah, You would think sometimes these teams get the best of of a top 25 team. You know, you find a way to nip a team that was sleeping, sleepwalking when playing you. Pittsburgh's 18-9 and this year. That was an impressive road win for Missouri. And Minnesota, when they had that dramatic come-from-behind win, I think trailed by 19, Minnesota's 17-10. and Those are the two best wins. Neither of those teams are ranked. I mean, this is an all-time bad year, one of the worst I can remember in Missouri basketball history. And if you go winless in an 18-game sample size of conference play, I, I don't know how you can have a lot of momentum and a lot of hope going in uh, to next year, even if you try to convince everybody the recruiting class is the big deal. Now, this recruiting class is good, but are those freshmen going to be ready to go and 
take on different expectation, one that is now for Dennis Gates going to put his job on the line. I mean, now at this point, considering the way this season went, he can't have a losing record next year. He has to make the NCAA tournament or at least come close to it. When you do this poorly in year two, I don't know how you could look boosters in the eye. I don't know how you could look fans in the eye and say, he's the guy. He's the guy to do this. I mean, how many coaches go winless in conference play and then find a way to build that program back up to a level of respectability where they're constantly in the top 25, they're constantly in the NCAA tournament? I mean, we thought at one point in time Missouri was going to have the football program and the basketball program thriving at the same time. Now it's the football program that's absolutely thriving to levels we haven't seen since they joined the SEC, maybe in the early years when they uh, you know, got to an SEC championship game. But to me, it just feels like it's a missed opportunity for Dennis Gates in Missouri. It was a missed opportunity to build off a really good year and show to everybody, hey, even in a gap year, we still are a team that's in the hunt for the NCAA tournament. They're not. They're far more on the spectrum, and they're closer to the option of this is one of the worst teams in college basketball. I mean, if DePaul wasn't there, and I'm going to say Power 5. You know there's some teams out there. I think Detroit Mercy was 0-26 before last week, and they won one game. So I'm not going to go into the the mid-major programs or the G5 programs. Power 5, Missouri's right there with DePaul. I think Missouri would beat DePaul, but do I say it with much conviction? Probably not. Ugly, ugly year two for Dennis Gates as they lose to Arkansas by 15 points. They were tied in the second half, and then Arkansas just never stopped scoring, and Missouri couldn't stop any of the bleeding. They will take on Florida in Gainesville this coming Wednesday, 5.30 tip-off, and you can watch that game on SEC Network. As for the last local team, the Kansas Jayhawks, they took care of business against Texas on Saturday, and they did so without Kevin McCuller. Uh, McCuller, as we'll get into throughout this segment, not looking that likely to play the remaining parts of the regular season. So in this game, Kansas was down a man, down their leading score, and I think for the first time without him, they showed that, hey, we can dominate some teams. This game was never close. Kansas absolutely blew the doors off Texas in their 86-67 to win. They got 20 from Hunter Dickinson, 16 from K.J. Adams, 16 from Johnny Furphy, 14 from Dewan Harris, and Kevin McClure's replacement, guy jumping into the starting five, Nicholas Timberlake gave them 13 points in 33 minutes of action. Also had a dunk that ended up number four on SportsCenter's top 10 plays. It was a well-rounded game. Bench gave them seven points in 21 total minutes. I mean, that was a good feel win for Kansas, and one that I don't think anybody really questioned. We discussed this on Friday about not playing Kevin McCuller, and Bill Self said he's not going to play on Tuesday against BYU, and he just says at this point, we hope we can get him to 100% by the NCAA tournament, but there was no guarantee if he's even back at all this season. That bone bruise clearly is not getting any better, so it's up to this Kansas squad without their leading score to try to find a way to make things interesting in the Big 12 race, though that looks very slim now because Houston got a big win against Baylor and Waco. That was an overtime thriller. Great game to kick off the Saturday slate uh, a couple days back. So it doesn't look like the Big 12 title is going to come down to that game on Saturday in which the Jayhawks will travel to Houston. Kansas will probably have a 
an opportunity to finish second and really, really close to first place if they could knock off Baylor and Waco. That's happening this Saturday. That'll be on ABC. Tip-off will be at noon, and you can listen to that over on Sports Radio 810 WHB. But now it comes into a point of can you get this squad to be tournament run deep, or is it going to be a group that reverts back to that Texas Tech loss, the game in Lubbock in which they got trounced by 30 points without Kevin McCuller? What version can you get? Now, we know this is not a good road team, and in the NCAA tournament, you don't play on the road. And in fact, wherever Kansas goes, they'll have a big band of fans that are following them. So at worst, it'll be 50-50. It'll be a true neutral site game. I feel good about this opportunity in front of it for Kansas. I feel good about these final four games that three of them well, I guess BYU won't be ranked later on today. At least two of them will be top 15 teams. One of them will be a top three team in the nation. And you're likely going to have to play all four of these teams without your leading score. And we discussed this time and time and again. Kansas was not going to go very far in the NCAA tournament if they didn't get their guys healthy. And Kevin McCuller is the big if right now. But after Saturday's game, I think you just roll the dice and say, Kevin McCuller, you're not playing for the rest of the regular season. You are not playing for the Big 12 tournament. You are just hoping to be there, and I'm going to go one step further, for the second round game in the NCAA tournament. That should be the goal right now. Bill Self has clearly made it seem like it's far worse than people expected it to be. I mean, a bone bruise, you would think that's pain tolerance and it's just getting the swelling down. Well, he said any time it gets hit or he turns the wrong way, it gets to the point where he can't play. And I look at this situation and say, well, it's clearly not going to get any better by playing him one game, sitting him two, and playing him another. I think you just rule him out the rest of the regular season. Now, I know it's still about getting in shape. You don't want him to get rusty. That is bound to happen. But to me, you just save him for the second game of the NCAA tournament. That is your best hope right now. And you can see what Nicholas Timberlake can provide you. You can see what Jamari McDowell can provide you. Parker Brown. Guys off the bench. Elmarco Jackson. You need to have this level of comfort with the bench and your reserves, and this is a great opportunity to do so. That's the exciting part about this. Now, Kansas now has won back-to-back games for the first time since January 30th and February 30th. It had been a few weeks, and they have a damn good chance to win three in a row for the first time since they had their long stretch at the end of of, uh, the non-conference slate. They haven't won three three in a row in Big 12 play. They're going to have a damn good chance to do that tomorrow night when they take on BYU, who's unranked. They are as close to unbeatable as you can get in the confines of Allen Fieldhouse. But if you're doing it without Kevin McCuller, there is a win-win scenario. As bad as it sounds, this knee injury, this bone bruise, there's a win-win scenario. And it's that Kansas gets Kevin McCuller rest. One that, time period-wise... Rest he hasn't seen in his career. Where you're not playing from, let's see, that that would have been February 18th because he didn't practice after Oklahoma. So February 18th to March 23rd, 
24th, whatever that second game is, the round of 32. I mean, you're talking about a month, months worth of rest. That, to me, is a golden opportunity for Kansas. And to be honest with you, even if it means losing to Baylor and Houston to close out the regular season and not winning the Big 12 tournament, you got to get him healthy at some point. And forcing him back to try to win the Big 12, forcing him back to try to win the Big 12 tournament, it's not likely, even if he's pushing to play. Hey, I, I want to get in there for the Big 12 tournament. I want to get in there for the Houston game. Even if the Big 12 is on the line at that point, it's not worth it. It is not worth it. And clearly it was not worth it to play him in the Oklahoma game. And that may come back to bite Kansas if he ever does return. I would be floored if a bone bruise can't heal in a month with no game action on it. But who knows? Who really knows? This seems like such a weird and aggravating injury. It's an annoying injury. It reminds me of the Remy Martin knee problem where you just didn't know when he was going to be healthy or Joel Embiid and his back back in 2014. It was like, just get to the second weekend and Joel Embiid can play. Fortunately for Kansas, Remy Martin was ready to go by the end of the season in the Big 12 tournament. Not going to be the same for Kevin McCuller. So if it were me, if I'm Bill Self, you never can guarantee a win. Right, You never can look at a schedule and say, well, don't worry, we'll get that one done. We'll be fine there. Because Kevin McCuller is your leading scorer. He's one of your best players. Next to Hunter Dickinson, he is your best player. But to me, I look at this and say, get through these final four games. Don't even contemplate playing Kevin McCuller. Then I go to the Big 12 tournament. Hell, if somebody else is banged up a little bit, I I know that Bill Self said he'll never rest guys in the Big 12 tournament. But I need to be as healthy as possible going into the NCAA tournament. Some teams need that Big 12 championship in Kansas City a little bit more than Kansas does. So it's not dire. I think Houston's already taken that one seed that you were gunning for in the South region in which it will go through Dallas. Instead, I think Kansas ends up in the West region going through Los Angeles. To me, though, if you can go through these final four games and you go 3-1, and one, Three and one, you go to the Big 12 tournament, get to at least the semifinals, and Kevin McCuller hasn't played a lick. Then you look at your first game in the NCAA tournament. I'd imagine if that's the way it goes, three wins in the final four, you win two games in the Big 12 tournament, or one game in the Big 12 tournament, you're going to be a two seed. You set Kevin McCuller for the two versus 15 game, and since you lost last year to Arkansas, you can't look at that second round game and say, that's a gimme. So that's when I'm targeting the Kevin McCullough return if you can. If you have your pick and your choice, I'm looking at that and saying Kevin McCullough can be back for the round of 32 game. You you should be fine. And again, fingers crossed, knock on wood if you're a Kansas fan, should be fine getting past a 15 seed without Kevin McCullough. But I don't think you get past a 7 seed or a 10 seed without Kevin McCullough in your starting five. Okay, that's going to do it for our college hoops talk. We'll take our first break of the show. When we come back, we're going to talk a little bit NFL as the Chiefs and Andy Reid are going to begin negotiating a long-term deal that would make him the highest-paid coach in the NFL. That's next on ESPN Kansas City. Ready to change your life? Get a smile you'll love to the moon and back. Expert orthodontist Dr. Moon and his friendly team use the latest technology to make your journey fast, precise, and affordable. 
They invite patients of all ages to experience warm orthodontic care in a family-friendly atmosphere. Serving all ages in Olathe and Overland Park while offering the latest technology in orthodontic care. It's Moon Orthodontics. Revolutionize your smile with a free consultation. Visit MoonOrtho.com. Okay, you know how it feels when you've saved enough for that long-awaited home edition? Now imagine an addition on that addition. That's the feeling with Capital One, where a new savings account earns an interest rate five times the national average. That's right, five times, as represented by five times more singers. This is banking reimagined. Capital One, what's in your wallet? Terms apply. Rate comparison based on FDIC national rate. Capital One NA member FDIC. And we are all tied up in the bottom of the ninth. Bases loaded. Electric in here. Electric. It all comes down to this pitch. You throw the fastball here. But it looks like Brock is walking off the field and is leaving the stadium? What is going on here? I'm getting word that he left to get a taco. When you need a taco, you need a taco. Introducing the new Cantina Crispy Melt Taco, only from Taco Bell. At participating U.S. locations for a limited time only. Do you know how much you're really paying for life insurance through work? I can almost guarantee you're overpaying for limited coverage. I'm Joel Clark, a select quote agent for over 20 years. My clients are shocked to learn how expensive life insurance at work really is because of a rate that's driven up by unhealthy people. Why pay more when you don't have to? For over 35 years, SelectQuote has helped people save 50% or more by shopping highly rated insurance carriers. I even found a 40-year-old man with high blood pressure, a 10-year, $500,000 policy for only $19 a month. Don't wait. Workplace open enrollment is here. Let SelectQuote save you money and get you the coverage you need to protect your family. For your free quote in just minutes, call 1-800-449-8811. That's 1-800-449-8811. 1-800-449-8811. Or go to SelectQuote.com. Full details on example policy and carrier ratings at SelectQuote.com slash commercials. Price could vary by health, issuing company, and other factors. Not available in all states. I need a laptop that helps me work remote from Charleston. Or Charlotte, or wherever I am this week. It's possible. How about a PC that can manage my workload at a price I can manage? Also possible, because Staples Connect has the innovative tech and tools you need to take on the future of work. And now get up to $200 off select laptops, like the HP Pavilion with Intel i7 processor. Explore what's new at your local Staples store or staplesconnect.com. Staples Connect, the working and learning store. Ends 1023, limit two, in-store only. Prescription products require completion of an online consultation with an independent healthcare provider and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Additional restrictions apply. See website for more details and safety information. Should Viagra really cost $90 per pill? We don't think so. RexMD has FDA-approved generic Viagra medication of that little blue pill starting at just $2. Why pay huge pharmacy prices when you can get the same results for a fraction of the cost? Give your bank account a break. Just fill out a brief survey, and if appropriate, you'll get a starter pack prescription of industry-leading generic Viagra medication. Just call 800-511-3731. We've helped over 100,000 men with their sex lives and with getting prescription medications direct. Your consultation is free, there's no doctor office visits, and your shipping is always free. Get your starter pack now. Call 800-511-3731. That's 800-511-3731. Again, 800-511-3731.
are back here on The Shift on ESPN Kansas City. I'm your host and producer today, Jack Johnson. Jake Gutierrez will be back in the producer's chair tomorrow morning. A little bit of NFL talk as we transition from college hoops, and we will talk a little bit about court storming tomorrow. I wanted to get Jake's thoughts on that and if it should still be allowed or what measures they can take to make it safer because the big talk of this weekend, of course, was Duke center Kyle Filipowski getting his knee or ankle banged up uh, by a fan that was rushing the court. I mean, it, it can be dangerous if players aren't off the floor in time and there has been a split uh, between people that think it should never be changed and coaches and players and a lot of people on the other side saying there needs to be some form of safety implemented other than just security guards trying to protect the players, probably just go ahead and say banning it. Uh, at least that's what John Shire, head coach of the Duke Blue Devils, would go on to say. We're going to get into that tomorrow. I wanted to make sure we had some back and forth with Jake. Didn't really want to take on the whole segment by myself. So if you were thinking about that segment, if you were hoping to hear that segment, uh, that'll be in tomorrow's episode of The Shift. What I did want to transition to is real quickly some NFL talk, as it was reported by Tom Pelissero that Andy Reid and the Chiefs are open to talks on an extension. Reid is expected to become the NFL's highest-paid NFL head coach. Uh, this feels like... It was a long time coming. Um, Andy Reid, I don't think, ever gave the indication or the sign that he was going anywhere. And that is the the hilarious part of all those rumors and speculation about, oh, Bill Belichick coming here and, and maybe giving Eric Bieniemy another chance, who, by the way, took a, an offensive coordinator job in college, something that we thought wouldn't be possible for Bieniemy of just returning to the ranks of college because he couldn't crack it at the NFL level. He's shown... He could crack it at the NFL level, but he's clearly going back where he can be an assistant head coach and offensive coordinator in L.A. for the UCLA Bruins. But that was all just speculation of would be enemy come back, would he be the head coach, Belichick, Vrabel. All, it was all just rumors out there, but not truthful rumors. They were just rumors to start getting conversations going. Now, Andy Reid never gave any sign that he was done coaching. And he's been around football his entire life. I don't think he's somebody that's eager to get out of the game. I mean, why would he right now? His team's coming off back-to-back -back Super Bowl championships. You can bring up age. You can bring up you know, wanting to spend more time with family. But this is the best his career has ever been. Think about how long Andy Reid's been around. He's been coaching. Those years in Philadelphia, the years of being an assistant in Green Bay. I mean, now he's at the pinnacle. He has a chance to rival Bill Belichick. Because unlike Bill Belichick, Andy Reid had a lot of success without Patrick Mahomes. Belichick hasn't had much success without Tom Brady. I mean, that's where you can put Andy Reid in this category now with three Super Bowl championships of, man, if he grabs a fourth and he's got all these winning records with other quarterbacks and other teams – you can make that case of, is Andy Reid actually the best coach of all time and not Bill Belichick? Of course, the, the Bill Belichick supporters are never going to think that the same way that the Tom Brady supporters are never going to think that Mahomes will be the best of all time. Everybody's entitled to their own opinion, and I'm not going to fight people uh, that believe the other side. I still consider Bill Belichick to be the greatest of all time. I'm not a, a ring counter. I'm not a, a championship counter where that's the end-all, be-all. Oh, if you have 
seven Super Bowls, eight Super Bowls, that makes you the king because we go to any other sport, right? Do we consider Bill Russell to be the best of all time? We don't. We don't. We consider it to be Jordan or we consider it to be LeBron. Both guys have less rings than Bill Russell. You know, to me, it comes down to situations. It comes down to records. It comes down to how you fared in different spots. And for Bill Belichick, who's not going to be coaching this year, at least to our knowledge, there's no more spots open, Andy Reid's going to have another opportunity with a healthy, shiny new contract to continue to be the best coach in the NFL. Now, undoubtedly, he is the best coach in the NFL because Belichick's not coaching. The best active coach out there. And Brett Veach and the Chiefs understand that. That is the the difference in, in all of this. This is not a, a general manager in Brett Veach that wants his new young guy to come in, wants to force Andy Reid out, or Andy Reid's not a guy, too, that is you know absolutely pounding the table for more money. He doesn't come across as a guy like that. He knows what stage of his career he's at. He's likely in the final five years of his NFL career, but why not coach those final five? Until you can't coach anymore. That, that is the, the energy. That is the vibe I get from Andy Reid. I'm going to coach until I just simply can't coach anymore. I don't see him being the coach to walk away and say, oh, you know, I, I went out on top with a Super Bowl. I think he's motivated to keep coaching, to keep winning. Why would you not? This is the the golden there. This is the middle of a dynasty in Kansas City. To walk away from that, I think it'd be a regrettable decision. But for the folks out there that thought, you know, this is a, a coach that is nearing the end, you know, he's going to walk away, he's going to retire. It was all hope that the Chiefs dynasty would end abruptly. Reed retires, Kelsey retires. None of that's going to happen. Those guys are going to be back next year, and Andy Reid is going to have a shiny new contract, a new extension to make him the highest-paid coach in the NFL, as he should be. Right? It's it's ridiculous until we're given a reason to think that he's retiring. It's ridiculous to speculate that. We had nothing to go off of. Now, I believe that we had one segment where we kind of discussed it, and I said, you know, this could be one of those scenarios where, you know, it's a grind in the NFL season. It's a long year. I mean, off-season and early mornings and training camp and preseason and the regular season and the postseason, there's, you know, the draft. It's it's a full-time commitment, but I think it's one now that Andy Reid just is used to. Uh, How can you not be when you've coached that long? It's just, it's like a job. It's like how... I come in here every single morning, most mornings, and do this, produce ESPN Wichita, then some days do a night show on 810. Social media work, it's just you could look at somebody else or their job and go, wow, that's a lot. I'm sure they're tired of that. Well, yeah, everybody gets tired of their job at some point, but it's a routine you do. You keep doing it over and over again, and eventually it just becomes muscle memory. It becomes habit. You don't think too much about it. But to me... You know, Andy Reid is going to know when it's time to walk away. I don't think he's going to go too early. I think he will go until he simply just can't coach anymore, until he is completely maxed out, done what he's wanted to do, and head off into the sunset. But there's still things to be achieved. I mean, if you're able to retire with two more Super Bowls, five in total, 
all coming with Kansas City, like you look at that and go, man, maybe I would be in consideration. Not even consideration. I'd be the other coach, you'd argue, if it's not Bill Belichick. That's what it's come down to. Ever since he started racking up the Super Bowls, now three for him, you look at Belichick or you look at Reed, and there are arguments and there are criticisms for both. But fortunately for Chiefs fans, and unfortunately for Mike Floria of Pro Football Talk, Andy Reid's coming back to Kansas City, and he's going to have a contract extension, and it's going to make him the highest paid in the NFL. That is all per Tom Pelissero of NFL Network. Okay, we're going to take our final break of the show. When we come back, some quick takeaways from the Royals game yesterday, but more specifically on Cole Reagans, who has one stat that will make your jaw drop. I'll tell you about it next on The Shift on 94.5 FM and 1510 AM ESPN, Kansas City. The soccer capital of America is back in full swing with Sporting Kansas City's home opener just around the corner. The 2024 home campaign kicks off on Saturday, March 2nd at 7.30 p.m. against the Philadelphia Union. Be there at Children's Mercy Park to kick off another huge year of soccer in Kansas City. It's Sporting KC versus the Philadelphia Union, March 2nd at Children's Mercy Park. Don't miss this moment, KC. Get your home opener tickets now at SportingKC.com slash tickets. I'm Bill Ferguson, President and CEO of Central Bank of the Midwest. Rock Chalk Jayhawk. Central Bank is the proud community banking partner of the University of Kansas. With Jayhawk checking and the official Jayhawk debit card, you can now show your KU spirit on campus, at the game, or on the go. So Rock Chalk and learn more at jayhawkchecking.com. Central Bank, strong roots, endless possibilities. Member FDIC. ESPN Bet is now live in Kansas. As the official sportsbook of ESPN, ESPN Bet is the only place to find daily exclusives and offers with your favorite ESPN personalities and shows. Sign up today and new users get $100 in bonus bets for making any sportsbook bet. Find all your favorite markets in bets like in-game wagering, cross-sport parlays, teasers, and all the props you can handle. That's ESPN Bet. Download today. What a play. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Must be 21 plus gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with Hollywood casino at kansas speedway the future will be amazing and that's all well and good but what about today you can feel the rush of a 400 horsepower nissan z or climb to new heights in the all-terrain nissan frontier light up the road in the all-electric nissan aria that feels like a sci-fi dream come true the future will be great but today is made for thrill all you have to do is get in a nissan and drive 2023 aria and z not yet available for purchase expected availability is this spring for 2023 z and this fall for 2023 aria We are wrapping up the shift on 94.5 FM and 1510 AM ESPN Kansas City. I'm your host and producer today, Jack Johnson. Jake Gutierrez back in the producer's chair tomorrow. Well, the first time this season, a lot of you had the chance to watch the Royals on TV through the Bally Sports app. Not sure when the Amazon Prime deal is going to come in place. I actually don't know if all the cable providers allowed you to watch the game yesterday, but at least for somebody like me, Spectrum is the the TV provider. I only have streaming services. I was able to watch on the Bally Sports Channel, and it was a good thing because it was Cole Reagans getting the ball for the first time in spring, and good Lord, was he disgusting. And I know spring training stats, they don't matter. And for me, it's all about health. Health is by far and away the, the most important thing. Cole Reagans could have given up seven runs yesterday. I wouldn't have been happy. 
it would have been unfortunate to see him not have great stuff when you get to watch the Royals for the first time on the season, but quite the opposite. Not only did he collect five strikeouts of the six outs he recorded, he was pumping velocity that's up there among the best in Major League Baseball. And I would argue from the left side and that type of velocity and the type of movement, it is the best in baseball. You know, there's all the talk of, you know, is he a dark horse to win the Cy Young? I think he is. I think he's absolutely a dark horse. I think he's a dark horse to lead the league in strikeouts. If he can stay healthy, I don't know uh, many teams that are going to be able to just square him up and tee off on him. I mean, the Angels look like a JV squad yesterday. I know that can happen in spring training when you've got minor leaguers and and you know independent league guys on minor league deals coming over in, in the sixth and seventh inning. I mean, there were some everyday starters in the Angels lineup to kick off that game. No, Mike Trout was in there. Anthony Rendon was in there. Aaron Hicks, Zach Neto. All those guys are going to get a lot of at-bats for a lot of nights in Anaheim this year. And they looked miles behind his fastball. They looked like the JV kid, the freshman, facing the 18-year-old draft pick who throws 95-96. Only the difference was Cole Reagans was hitting triple digits yesterday. This came from Lance Brozdowski, and you can follow him at Lance Bros. He's a player development analyst for Watch Marquee. There's no uh, radar gun on the screen. There's a radar gun in the stadiums in spring training, but they don't pop up on the TV broadcast. Well, on the last pitch of Cole Reagan's start yesterday, he was facing Zach Neto, and it was a called third strike, but that called third strike registered at 101 miles per hour with 20 inches of induced vertical break. That is virtually unhittable. In that location, even if he did swing, you can't hit that. The closest shape and velocity he had last year was 98.9 miles per hour with 20 inches of induced vertical break. He got up to 101 last year too, but it was just with 15 of the induced vertical break. It's unhittable. It's absolutely unhittable. Now, there's going to be people that say, oh, I don't want him throwing that hard in spring training. It doesn't look like he's violently throwing out there. It looks very smooth coming out of his hand. It just explodes. And, folks, if you've got a guy throwing 101, 102 as a starter, I don't know how long it can go, but if he does stay healthy, I mean, this is more than just a dark horse for a Cy Young Award. And the fact the Royals got him for 28 innings of a role as Chapman, it's ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous to think that, you know, the Royals got this type of talent for a rental. Absurd stuff from Cole Reagans and hope for more absurd stuff from Seth Lugo later on today as they take on the Chicago Cubs. Well, that's going to do it for another edition of The Shift on 94.5 FM and 1510 AM ESPN Kansas City. I've been your host and producer, Jack Johnson. We'll talk to you tomorrow at 10 AM. You take it easy, Kansas City. Dirty exterior? Don't scrub it. Wet it and forget it. Wet and forget the easy outdoor cleaner.